are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Somebody sent me a, an article, a link rather, in an email to a sermon and said, I liked it, thought you might want to listen to it, and so I did. And the sermon starts with a pastor telling the story about how he felt God calling him to plant a church. He said, at first, we were meeting in my home, but it wasn't long until my home couldn't hold everybody. And so we had to rent something, so we rented a school, and we began to grow in the school, and pretty soon the school was too small for us. And then we rented this bigger building, and we had to have multiple services in the bigger building, and we just kept growing, and pretty soon we were a few thousand, and we built this monster big building of a church. And pretty soon we had to have many services in that big building because we continued to grow thousands of people coming on Sundays. And he said as it was at its height... We had a meeting with the board of elders, and one of the elders said, I think we should ask God if he is pleased with what we are doing. And the pastor said, I was like almost offended. What do you mean, ask God if he is pleased with what we're doing? How could God not be pleased? Look at all the people coming, you know? And he said, no, I I think we we really need to see God's heart. He said, I'm thinking... We got thousands of people showing up. I'm writing books. I'm speaking all over the country. I'm I'm practically famous. How could God not be pleased with this, right? And the elder continued to push and said, you know, there's some things that are very close to the heart of God. He makes it very clear that the greatest commandment is that we love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. He said, I know our people are passionate about sports. And they're passionate about other things, but do they love God with all of their heart? What kind of disciples are we really producing here in our church? And, and, and I listened to it, and I just said, man, that's a great question for you and me. So we've got people coming to church here every Sunday. I think the question is, what kind of disciples are we producing? What, what kind of Jesus followers do we have here? And so I don't think it's about not understanding the mission. Because when we think about the mission, we think about it wanting to be passionate in two ways. We want to help people come to know Jesus. And we want to help people become more like Jesus. It's so important to us that we wrote it on the wall in the West Entrance. Why would you write it on the wall? Because we didn't want to forget it. Because we understand sometimes you can forget this stuff. But no, we're just saying, hey, we really want to help people come to know Jesus. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. More than anything else in the world, I want to help you come to know Jesus. And if you say, well, I already know Jesus, Rick. I'm a Christian. Then I want to help you become more Christ-like in your life. And we didn't just pull that out of the thin air. We didn't just dream that up. We actually got it from Jesus himself. So let me take you to Matthew, okay? Chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus came to them and he said... All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, here's what I want you to be about as a church. Here's what I want you to do, okay? Therefore, go and make disciples. He's talking about converts. People who don't yet know me, I want you to help them come to know me. Make disciples of all nations. And then he says, baptizing them. So he's he's talking about converts, okay? So these are people who don't know me. I want you to share 
me with them, and I want them to come into relationship with me, and I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I want you to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you for three years. Jesus says to his disciples, I have taught you what it means to follow me, to become like me. And so now I want you to teach them what it means to become like me. And he gives us this awesome promise, you're not in this alone. I won't leave you, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You're not by yourself, I'm going to be with you as you do this. So I think the question for you and me is simply this, so how are we doing? Are we helping people come to know Jesus? It became so important to us as a staff a year ago that we finally said, all right, we're going to write down names. And so, um, you know, we want to know who came to know Jesus. So every staff meeting we start and we ask the question, who came to know Jesus this week? And we write their name down. And, and so this year, so far, 57 people have come to know Jesus. Don't you love that? I love it, but I'm like, I want it to be like 107. I want it to be 207, right? Because the need is so great. So, are we becoming more like Jesus? So, I mean, like you personally. Do, do you feel like, hey, Rick, I've been attending this church for a couple of years now, or maybe a long time. I feel like I'm becoming more like Jesus. Or I look around the people that I go to church with on Sunday, I think they're becoming more like Christ. I think it's working. Or would you say, no, you know what, I'm not seeing it. It's a great question for us to struggle with, right? Let me let, me let you think like a preacher thinks for a few minutes. Okay, here we go. So <clears throat> I uh, once in a while on Sunday morning, pretty often, almost maybe every week, in fact, I met uh, a couple today that I've never met before, really nice folks, and we talk for a minute. But that, that's kind of common, and I will say, hey, I'm glad to meet you. My name is Rick. I'm the pastor here. And and, and, you know, they'll maybe come back the next week and say, well, we, we, we like the church. And I'm like, great. You know, I'm always like, what do you like about the church? Kind of hoping they say the preaching, but usually they say music. But anyway, I'm glad they keep coming. And so then, you know, next week, there they are again. Hey, yeah, it's great to see you guys again. And kind of on and on. And, and, and maybe for a few months, I'm like, I like that family. They're nice. They're really kind. And, and then maybe this is how a preacher thinks, Okay lay down in bed one night, and don't even get to sleep, and I kind of sit back up in the bed and say, Nat, that's my wife, she's right here, um, that family? And she goes, yeah. I'm like, have you seen them lately? And she says, oh, my Rick, no. I wonder what happened. I don't know. So we get on the phone, we call them, and all of our pastors are doing this kind of thing like I'm doing. We call them up and we say, hey, maybe we just haven't bumped into you at church, but I haven't seen you for a while. And they say, no, we don't really attend there anymore. Oh, I hate to hear that. And, and often the language is the same. You know, we just didn't seem to find our place. And what they're really saying is, we didn't really make friends. We didn't get connected we didn't find community. We didn't really get to know people very well. It's like everybody there seemed to like each other, but they were so much into each other that I don't, I don't think we were able to really break into the circle somehow. And here's what I've learned about people, okay? Here's, here's what I know about people. People want to be known. 
That's true with me. I want you to know me. I love it when you remember my name. And, and people want to be needed. Everybody in the room today has that same kind of deal going on in your life. I need to be known and I need to be needed. That's important to me. So, if I got this right, here's the way it works. God sends us a family. Or a couple. Or an individual. And we say, oh, okay, God, you gave us this new, new family to be a part of our community of faith. And so, if I understand it right, God is saying, okay, Rick, here's what I want you to do. All of you guys together, this is what's supposed to happen. If they don't know Jesus, the goal is that you would help them come to know Jesus and enter into this incredible life of being born again. It's like you get this whole new life and better life, and, and we want them to be forgiven of sin and know what it is to just feel this closeness to God, you know. And if they already know Jesus, then the goal is, okay, this is what you guys are supposed to do. You're supposed to help them become more like Jesus. But if, if they don't find community, if they don't make some friends, the chances are they're probably not going to hang around long enough for us to accomplish either of those tasks. Right? And here's my question. How many churches will a family visit before they finally just say, maybe it's not for us? I mean, maybe deep down they have these faith questions and they wonder, you know, should I like, you know, maybe do the church thing and come to know God somehow in my life? But if after two or three churches i don't seem to find my place and i don't maybe maybe it's just not for me so let me think with you some about this today okay i was um reading an email one day and a guy said i think you might be interested in this church over in europe and so i clicked onto the link and i began to read about it and i watched a video and it was pretty exciting he said you know in our church we did big church like when everybody comes together like this, and we have a service at 9.30 also where a group of people like this come together. And he said, then we do small groups. But we begin to ask ourselves the question, what, where are the mid-sized groups? Because sometimes people come to church to be anonymous, and they're like kind of seeking it out and saying, I don't know if this is for us or not. We don't know anybody there, and we feel awkward going into a place for the first time, so we're just going to sit in the back, and we're just going to kind of blend in, and then when it's over, we're going to kind of get out of here, you know. We're not going to sign anything. We just want to be anonymous at first. And we say to that person, okay, we want you to move from there, anonymity, to intimacy. Move from there to a small group where you sit in a circle with 10 to 12 people and you really share your heart. and I'm not ready for that kind of a step. And so they begin to ask, so we're the mid-sized groups. So we have something like that here we call Sunday school. We have other mid-sized groups that meets at other times of the week. And they didn't have any. And they said, we begin to start mid-sized groups. And it was amazing to us how quickly they began to grow because people wanted to be connected. So if Jesus wants you and me to help people come to know him and help people become more like him, and they're not going to hang around for that unless they find community, then I begin to ask myself, 
what is our number one source of community? I think it's a great question. What is BFC's primary source for community? Where do we help people find community better than anywhere else? And you know what the answer is? It's Sunday school. And the reason we say that is because 60% of our people attend Sunday school. So what, what, what are you saying? I, I'm saying that on a typical Sunday morning like this morning, that there will be somewhere between 12 and 1,400 people attend a Sunday school class. Wait a minute, you're saying that today somewhere between 12 and 1,400 people walked in a classroom, sat down, and, and was a part of this mid-sized group experience. That's exactly right. That's what happened today. That's a lot of people. And, and it's our primary place for community. Now, we begin to ask, what is the number one thing that we just cannot stop doing? And, and, and I said, well, if, if the number one thing would me, I mean, I think it's the worship service. Let's just suppose that I make an announcement and I say, okay, starting um, next Sunday, we will do everything else that we're doing here, but we will not have worship services. You would be like, the guy's nuts. And, and I think it would be nuts because this is kind of the hub, right? But I begin to ask myself, what is the number two thing we can't stop doing? And I said, well, well there's no doubt it's, it's, it's Sunday school. I mean, if you told me that starting next Sunday there is no more Sunday school, I would be like curled up in a fetal position in the corner going, what are we going to do, you know? Because that's where we find community with one another. So I got on an elevator this week, and it was kind of funny what happened. I'm on the elevator. We go up. The door opens. A bunch of people get on the elevator, and we start, you know, moving up again. And this lady that, of course, I don't know, kind of in the back of the elevator, just kind of shouts out loud to whoever might be over by the buttons, you know. She just yells out something in a very southern accent. Here's what she says. Is five mashed? Mashed. I don't know about you, but I don't mash buttons. I press them, but I've never mashed one. And I... I don't know what to, I, I finally just go, no, but I can mash it for you. And so I, I wanted to say, you might want to rethink how you say that, because I don't know that everybody gets that, right? And, and I've got to tell you from my heart this morning, that's a little bit how I feel about Sunday school. I think that we might need to rethink it in some ways. I talked to a group of senior adults a couple of weeks ago about my zeal for Sunday school and, and this guy who's been in the church all of his life and he's in his 80s. He walks up to me with a real kind heart and he says, Rick, I hear what you're saying. I believe in what you're saying, but I think maybe you might want to rethink some things. And I said, well, I, I want to hear what you have to say. And he says, I, I think you ought to come up with a better name. I don't think people who come to church for the first time you know, really get the whole idea of, well, I don't go to school anymore, Sunday school. What, what, you know, he said, maybe there's a better way to talk about it. I said, you may be right. I don't know. Or maybe there's ways that we need to rethink when we meet or where we meet or what we do when we get together. Do we actually have enough time for fellowship and enough time for discipleship? Because that's kind of what it's been about. It's been about fellowship and it's been about discipleship, right? And, and maybe we should rethink how we get people to those classes for the first time. I don't know. I think there's a lot of creativity. I think people your age, because this is kind of our younger crowd here, 
I think you probably have some great input. You could help us say, you know what? I think it's a really good thing, and I understand we have like 60% of our people coming, but I think we could do some things to make it a lot better, and I think you could help us with that. We need your help. We need your ideas. It's always been about community. Always. So here's a typical thing. I'll go see somebody who has dealing with a major illness like surgery, cancer, something, and I say, how are you doing? And you know what they said to me? Oh, Pastor Rick, you wouldn't believe my Sunday school class has been right there beside me the whole way through this thing. They have brought meals. They come and prayed with me. They sit with me. They clean my... I mean, it's incredible. So it's always been about community, but it's also about discipleship. And, and here's the other question. What is BFC's primary source of discipleship? I can tell you, it's Sunday school. There's a teaching element in every time we come together. Now, this church in Europe said, if you're going to form these groups, we got two rules. First rule is, you need a name. And I kind of chuckled and kind of remembered all the names for classes I've heard over the years. Mid-sized groups. 20 to 50 people or so. But then there was a second rule. You want to know what the second rule was? You have to have a mission. What, what, do you, what do you mean a mission? I mean, like, you, you have to have, like, a, a, a project, a service that you guys do together. Really? Is it optional? No. No, you've got to serve somewhere. The Word of God says in the book of 1 Peter that each of you should use your gifts to serve others. So you have to serve somewhere. Well, where do we serve? And they said, no, 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 no. We can't tell you that. God has to tell you that. You've got to get on your face before God, and you've got to say to God, God, where do you want to use us? We want to make a difference in this world. God, what do you want us to do? And man, they captured my heart. And I called up this Sunday school class that meets every week. And I said, you've got to let me come to your class. And they said, okay, you can come. And I said, I've got to, I've got to have the whole hour, though. I've got to talk to you. And they said, okay, you can have it. And so when I got to their class, the name of the class is Heart to Heart. And I said, you've got to tell me what happened in Medford, Oklahoma. And they said, okay. And so they all just started talking to me. And, and there's about 60-some of them, and they meet together every week. And they said, we begin to feel like God was saying to us that we should go invest in this small Nazarene church that was all but a little bit alive. I mean, it was just, there wasn't much happening there. But we felt like God was saying, and it was after a lot of prayer, you guys should go help that church. And they said, so for over a year, we just kept driving back and forth to Medford, Ohio, a lot of them are, are guys who are builders. They truck their pickup trucks with their toolboxes, and they, and they just went up and had work days where they rehabbed the facility. Like, I mean, remodeled the building. Then they would go back for prayer walks, and they would go back for work days and potlucks. They said, if we showed up on Sunday, we doubled the attendance of the church. But we just kept going back, and we kept saying, there's like 65 of us, and you tell us what you need, and we'll do it for you. We'll just serve you. 
And I was eating lunch with my district superintendent who oversees that church the other day. And he says, Rick, do you understand that that Sunday school class from your church, it changed that church forever. And I began to dream. I, I, I could see somebody here saying, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to say to Thaddeus over at Two Lakes Community Church, Thaddeus, there are 47 of us and we are yours, buddy, whatever you need. For one year, you got us. You need us to cook lunches. You need us to do prayer walks. I can see a class saying to a local elementary school, hey, to the principal, there, there's, there's like 62 of us, and, and we'll do whatever you need us to do. You just tell us what it is. We'll plant flowers outside of your school. We'll paint rooms. We'll tutor kids. Whatever you want from us, we'll do it. Can you imagine classes saying to a ministry downtown, hey, there's 47 of us, and you've got us. You understand right now we have 18 adult classes? What if we had 30? And what if we all said we're going to serve this community in some way? Can you begin to imagine the footprint that we could leave on, on our city? We have a Sunday school class full of university students right now. They actually meet after this service. And you know what they're praying about right now? And you know what their focus is? Where does God want us to serve? I mean, th think about it. You and I, we're always taken in, right? We love our church. We love it. I mean, it's great. I come and I get fed. Week after week, I just get fed, fed. I'm just getting fatter and fatter and fatter. You know, and, and, and I want to give. You know what I love about this? Don't, don't get me wrong here. Hear my heart before you start making judgments about what I'm going to say. But something changed in church world a few years ago when we started hiring lots of staff. And, and something went kind of wrong in all of that. Where people began to say, well, the staff will do that. Staff will do that. Staff will do that. And I'm going to just confess to you that we've taken a lot of the ministry out of your hands. And that was never the heart of God. And I feel like this is just giving it back. When, when, when's the last time a pastor said to you, get on your face before God and ask God what it is that he wants you to do and where he wants you to serve, and then go do it. You don't need a staff for that. Nat and I moved here seven years ago. Furthest we've ever been away from our families. Ten to twelve hours back east. When we moved here, we said to our families, we said, we're not going to forsake you. All the years we've been in ministry, we've never gotten to live where they live, but we've always gone home every couple of months. Whoa, that's often. Yeah, it's often. We still do. Every couple of months, we're right there with them. You say, well, Rick, you got FaceTime. Yeah, and we do. And you have text. We do. And you have phone. We call. But that's not enough. I need to sit down and look my mama in the face and eat with her and hang out with her. And Jesus understands these concepts. There's something powerful about coming together teaching, instructing, encouraging one another, 
serving together. Hey, you want to talk about community going to a new level? Serve together, buddy. I go on a missions trip with a group of people from the church. I come back and I have a bond with those people that will never change. Because we serve together. So there's this verse in the book of Ecclesiastes. And it says two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good return for their labor. And I love this. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Now lean in. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And there might be people looking at me right now saying, Rick, I fell once. And I wasn't connected well enough in community. And I didn't have anybody to help me up. I don't want that for you. I want you to be connected. You received when you came in a card. Chris mentioned it to you. It's on your worship card. And you can just pop the bottom off. You can put your name on it. I would love for you. If you're not in a mid-sized group like a Sunday school class, just to write your name and a contact number on there and just say, write a note. Help me find a class. And when you leave today, you can drop it at any of our doors. There's a connect box. You can see them on the walls. Or you can hand them to someone at a welcome center. And, 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 and I'm telling you, this week, are you hearing me this week? We will call you and we will say, let us help you find a place to connect. We believe it's that important in your walk with God because God uses certain practices to transform us. And one of those practices is coming together in fellowship and the study of the Word of God and serving together. And if you're already in a class, I hope that next Sunday when you guys meet together, I hope you talk about maybe we should pray. Maybe we should get on our face before God. And maybe we should ask Him, God, where do you want us to serve? Obviously, there are needs everywhere. What do you want to do through us? Are you just waiting for us to say yes? And God will lead you. You may say, Rick, I've tried a few of the classes, and it doesn't seem like there's one here for me. It doesn't seem to be a fit. Well, then obviously there's other people like you who are feeling the same way. And so you can write a note on that card that says... I want to be a part of starting a new class that looks like this. Uh, we would love to hear from you. I mean, you would get our blood flowing uh, if you would just say, I, I want to be a start of something brand new, or I think this is what we need. I want to hear from you. Or if you have ideas, don't just walk out here today. Take that Connect card and write me a note and talk to me and to Mike Brooks and to others who are leading these groups. We need your help. All right. I just, I just had that sense today that God is not finished with us, okay? And um, so here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to stand. And uh, before we go, I want to give you an opportunity to pray. You may be saying this morning that, you know, I'm asking myself the question, what kind of disciple am I becoming, right? Uh, am I becoming more like Jesus? And maybe you want to talk to the Father about that. It could be this morning that you're carrying some heavy stuff into church with you. You're hurting. Somebody you love is hurting. 
and uh, you really want to talk to the Lord about it this morning. Maybe you want someone to pray with you. Um, it could be that you're sick physically and you need healing. And there's going to be pastors here to pray for you for any reason that you need. If you want a pastor, then just walk directly to one of them and they'll, they'll be right there to pray with you. They would love to. Maybe this morning you say, Rick, I've been hearing you talk about coming to know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. I don't consider myself a follower of Jesus. I got sin in my life. I'd love to be forgiven. I would love to feel like there's nothing between me and God. I would, I would love that. Jesus talked about being born again. It's like you get this whole new and better life. If you want that life, you can come. And one of our pastors would love to pray with you. Or maybe you've got a friend sitting beside you who is a Christian. And they would come with you and pray with you. So I'm not just saying, if you kind of want to come today, maybe you might come. No, I'm saying, no, really, we should pray today before we go. I mean, God's here. He loves you. If he's talking to you, talk to him. So we'll sing and we'll pray before we leave, okay? listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.